Hello. Welcome. Let's chill. This is my theme song. Got my podcast, y'all. Welcome to the Full Metal Ratchet Show. What's Hello. Good, hey. What's up? Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me better? There you go. Yes. Can you hear me? I can. Yep. What's going on? What's up? Thank you so much for joining me. I am. Oh, I was a little bit stressed out earlier, but I'm feeling better now. <laughs> What's going on? Why were you stressing? I so I just got off of work. I uh, work from home. I've been working from home for like 16 months at this point. It feels yeah, literally. And uh my my job is basically to call either buildings that have elevator issues or to field these calls that technicians have about like very complex equipment that I don't honestly know. I've been working there for two years. <laughs> And I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know how I even got this. You know what I'm saying? I'm in that position every single day. And it's just today, I was just like, my head hurts. It's hot. And I was just not feeling it. I was not feeling it, but just wasn't feeling it. <laughs> I understand that. I felt queasy all day. I had soup last night with some cheese in it. And I don't think the cheese was uh-uh, good. Uh-uh, so uh-uh. I've just f- felt like I needed to throw up all day. Oh no! <laughs> I'm sorry, that man. I'm sorry. Why is it that she is like cheese with a little soup? It's like I don't know. Like especially next day soup. It's like I'll pop a little cheese on it. It's gourmet, Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> <laughs> I know better too. I know I'm lactose. I know I'm not supposed to be oh, doing cheese, God. but oh, I was like this. The, this cheese will set this soup off nicely, and. I've been paying for it all day. So. Well, I'll keep it going if you need to step away for any minute. If you just need to take a second, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully I don't throw up on the air. That would be awful. That would be awful. But, I mean, listen, give the people what they want. Maybe they, they don't know what they want, so they get it. <laughs> They're not getting that. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> Well, thank you, Dion, so much for joining me. I was kind of nervous to reach out to you because I hadn't had any experience with an actual comedian before. And here I, here we are. You know, thank you so much for actually taking the time to speak to me tonight. Um, for anybody who's listening, my name is Aja. This is Full Metal Ratchet. And I invited Dion Curry today. He is a comedian based out of Indianapolis. He has two podcasts, and the one that I know him from is the Pat Down with Miss Pat. So I'll go ahead and let Dion introduce himself. I actually have three podcasts. I oh, do <laughs> one on Monday nights on Facebook Live called Now That's Debatable with uh, Sydney Smith and Warren B. Hall. Both are comedians. One's based out of Phoenix. That would be Sydney, and Warren's based out of Chicago. Uh, I've known Warren for about 15 years, Sydney for five. 
So we're brothers in comedy. Um, and then, sorry, we're canceled. I do with another comedian uh, named BT, and he's based out of Indianapolis as well. Um, that uh, sorry, we're canceled comes out every Tuesday on YouTube and all podcast outlets. And now that's debatable. You can watch the show live every Monday um, if you join the Facebook group. Now that's debatable podcast. Or you can check it out on all podcast outlets, and that comes out every Thursday. All right. Nice. Okay. You're rizzy, man. You, so I really appreciate you taking some time. You work a man <laughs> right there. I've talked for a living, okay? <laughs> Chris, Chris uh, Spangle told me you were real cool, so that's why I was like, yeah, I'll go ahead and do it. Oh, Chris, Chris you, big up you. I asked him about you, and he, he, gave you, he gave you props, so. Ah, that's so nice, man. I love Chris. He he was very, very nice to me during the quarantine, and we just struck up an odd friendship, him and I. I don't know how. <laughs> I've never met the guy. I was so happy to see that he's engaged now, and it's just such a full circle of, of you know, hearing you guys on the pat down, like, what, two years ago? The world was completely different. And then for me to be interviewing you now, what? Like, <laughs> it's, it's so surreal. But here we are. This is something I've wanted to do for a very long time. And it's somehow happening. So I'm very, very fortunate. I'm in this position to be able to ask you just a couple questions, pick your brain about comedy and what it's like just post-pandemic. How do you think comedy has a future in America or across the world? and how it is to be black in comedy right now. You know what I'm saying, Dion? And you're doing it, bro. I'm trying. Um, you know, the pandemic was was something that none of us saw coming. And uh, unfortunately, it, uh, it, it cost a lot of us, you know, a year of our lives and, and work and whatnot. But, um, you know, the good ones always find a way to persevere. And... You know, we're coming out of it now. And honestly, it that year off helped me get into the podcasts even more. So you just have to take the good with the bad, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, you lose stage time, but there are other, other avenues to be creative. And, you know, you can't, can't take that time off, even though they were trying their best to make sure we weren't working. Man, and I, I can only imagine how you felt you know as somebody who is so dependent on live you know live action live theater live audience and that to just to be stripped away for an indeterminate amount of time I I just saw how that made live performers of all kinds suffer and it scared me as somebody who wanted to enter the space and then it's like does does the space even have a future so that's what I really wanted to kind of start off with is do you feel that stand-up has a future? Is it going to be around in the next 15, 20 years? Yeah, stand-up will never go away. Um, as long as you keep getting uh, thoughtful voices and, you know, people will always be looking to escape the misery that they go through in their life. Yes. And stand-up <laughs> comedy has always provided that vehicle. So I don't think that the art form itself will go away. Now it'll it'll go through stages and changes where, you know, in, in the 
early to mid eighties, there was a huge comedy boom. And then there was a, a bust in the uh, late nineties, early two thousands. But, you know, it seems to have rebounded, you know, and now with podcasting, you are able to reach an audience, even if you're not able to perform on stage. So there's ways of getting your voice out there comedically without actually having to have the stage. Um, I will say, I hope Zoom shows go away and that that never becomes a thing because (laughs) to be completely blunt with you, they were the worst fucking idea ever. Zoom shows were terrible. Yeah. I I did one and I go, I am never doing this again. It was just (laughs) that it was, it was absolutely terrible. Just a bad idea. Stand up is not, not bred for, uh, Zoom shows and, and, right. and doing it over the internet. Did you just, you know, you got to have that live feedback. People typing in ha ha does not yeah. hit the same yeah. way as actual laughter. So Exactly. Because, yeah, you have to feed off of that energy of the crowd to know what, you know, what to expand on. I feel like what to pull back on, what to go in on. Yeah, very much so. And an emoji isn't going to do that. Do you ever have you ever seen the show Black Mirror? I've heard of Black Mirror. I haven't watched it. It's a Netflix show. It's a um. It used to be on a, a UK uh, UK channel back in a few years. But there was an episode of uh, Black Mirror that used to have the dude from Get Out that just won the Oscar, Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, um, it was, it was called, uh, 15 million merits and to break it down quickly, it's almost essentially what you described it, the world, it's a slightly in the future. And this young man, he lives in a world full of screens. He like works at a place where he basically rides a bike and you just get tokens and points and you watch a screen all day long. And he tries to kind of compete to go on this game show to kind of get out of that, you know, boring space. You always have to wear gray. It's essentially like a weird kind of slavery almost. And it's like windowless. You don't even get access to the outside. And he gets on this show. He puts on this performance and none of the, none of the audience is real. Everything is emojis. Everything is, you know, just avatars, just sort of like what we're doing right now. <laughs> so I don't know. I thought about that a lot when, when uh, I was looking at quarantine and just, it just struck a chord with me very much. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly social media has become the most important thing to so many people. Um, you know, it, it kind of just blew up overnight. You know, you got Twitter, you got Snapchat, Instagram, um, TikTok, you know, all those things where that instant gratification has become so important to so many people that, you know, they can't, they can't live in the real world. So I've been, I've been fortunate to, you know, make it through the pandemic, you know, um, mostly unscathed. Um, I was working a day job and that place closed forever so the pandemic did hurt me there a little bit but you know i'm okay and uh you know stand up like i said will always be around uh, so long as people vaccinate and mask and whatnot yeah um and there were even outdoor shows that weren't too awful i mean they're a step above the zoom shows but yeah yeah that's a, the know. outdoor shows look pretty fun in the car 
at least you could honk or, you know, be on top of your car and sit or something. You could still hear the energy of the audience. Yeah, it's an old school drive, drive, drive in type thing. Um, I'm not sure I'm a big fan of people honking their horns at me to tell me that they think I'm funny, but, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Sometimes you got to take what you can get. That's what's up. I got the man. So when did you, when did you step into the space yourself? Uh, 15 years ago, I was 21. Um, and I needed, I was working at this health food store and I saw in the newspaper that there was an open mic okay. and people had always told me I was funny. I'd always wanted to try stand up. Um, I was a huge fan of comic view back in the day. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris Rock, Richard Pryor. Um, you know, those, those were my favorite things to listen to Eddie Murphy. Um, so I was like, Oh, I'm gonna go try it out. Check it out. And, you know, I walked in the place thinking I was the hot shit, and uh, not knowing anything about comedy. And, uh-oh. you know, I had to I had to learn really quickly that, you know, that's not how you get into the business. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was fortunate to meet mm-hmm. some real professionals who kind of took me under their wing. Uh, Warren B. Hall was one of those guys. He was the first professional stand-up comedian that told me I was capable of doing this. And so that kind of really helped my confidence. And then uh, I met a comedian named Rick Gutierrez who opens up for uh, Gabriel Iglesias from oh, time okay. to time. And he, uh, yeah, he, uh, he gave me some great advice. He helped me find my voice and figure out what, what type of comic I wanted to be. So, you know, I owe those OGs for the success that I've had. Oh, geez, are so important. And that leads me to my next question. How important is it to try to find a mentor? Because, yeah, like you said, the only way the craft is going to continue is if the OGs reach out to the young cats like, and, you know, get us in those clubs, get us in those open mics, put those things in the newspaper, put them out. And unfortunately, in my area, and maybe it's the pandemic as well, and maybe it's the lack of maybe Black comedy in my area in northwest ohio now maybe in other parts of ohio it's in cincinnati dayton but where i am it's it's not a thing so how important is it to try to find a mentor it's very very important um stand up is one of those things where you won't get better if you hang around people who are on your level um so in order to reach the next stage, you have to hang out with people who are above you so you can pick their brains, so you can learn from them, so they can teach you what it is that helped them ascend. Um, comedy is probably one of the most important things to have some some reach back where you, you, know, you can reach out to other people and, and help guide them along the way. There's no way I'd be where I'm at right now if it weren't for uh, the mentors that I had. So I definitely recommend to all beginners um, that that you guys find someone who's above you in the comedy game and uh, see if you can get them to take you under your wing because you will waste a lot of time doing stand-up, not knowing what you're doing wrong, you know. Right. So the, yeah. the, sooner, you, the sooner you meet somebody who can help you out with, you know, what to do, what not to do, how to write jokes, how to formulate segues and transitions and do crowd work, all that type of stuff is, um, it's, it's the, one of the most important things. 
Okay. Uh, that's a really good point. And that's, that's one of my biggest questions is how to necessarily find such a person other than just go to your local clubs, go out of your comfort zone, just kind of, you just have to make yourself known, I guess. And absolutely. That person. When, mm-hmm. when I, when I first started, I was in the comedy club every day, they were open every single day. They were open. I was in there. Um, I wanted the club owner to see me. I wanted the club manager to see me. I wanted the wait staff to know who I was. I wanted them to know that I was serious about comedy. And I was fortunate that my home club had a rule where if you were a comedian, an open micer, you could come to any show as long as it wasn't sold out. And even some of the sold out shows, they would let you stand in the back or, you know, be in the lobby because they wanted, they wanted their local comics to be, at the comedy club, that's where you need to be. If you're not out doing a show, doing material, you should be, especially in the very beginning of your career, you should be in the comedy club every chance you can get. Um, I got to meet so many traveling headliners and features and some of the MCs, you know, just to sit in the room and to watch and to listen and to learn. Not everybody was friendly, but even still, yeah. you know, there was you can learn things what not to do when you get that opportunity to be in that position. So I definitely, definitely encourage all beginning beginner comics to be in the comedy club as much as possible. You know, don't be in the way, but be there and let the club know that, Hey, you're serious about this. And, you know, because if you can get the club to let you meet touring headliners, you never know where those relationships are going to take you. You know, I've met so many touring professionals where they come through town i meet them the first time we hit it off and then the next time they're in town they recommend hey i want this guy to open for me and so now i've got a weekend out of it because i was able to put my face in a place and you know just have a conversation with them so you never know where what reaching out will do for you until you take that leap so like i said i encourage all beginner comics be in the comedy club as much as possible um, sometimes they make you pay, sometimes they don't, but if you can afford it and it doesn't, you know, it's not gonna break your bank or put you out. Um, you, you should definitely take that opportunity. That's a really good piece of advice, Dion. Thank you very much, man. So I, I want to know more about the lifestyle. So as a traveling comic or as a comic that's just, you know, you, this is your full-time job. What is, what do you think of the biggest sacrifice that you felt like you've had to make in order to make this your career and a solid one? Um, it's a lot of, a lot of alone time, a lot of, of being by yourself. You right. miss out on family. You miss out on um, a lot of things. Hold on. My dog is tripping. Sit down. It's okay. <laughs> My cat was jingling in the background until I took her collar off a few minutes ago. So <laughs> You miss out on a lot, um, but it's the sacrifice that's worth it at the end of the day. If this is what you're passionate about, you got to chase your dream. Um, it's not easy, especially when you start out poor. Yeah. Um, you, the, the, first, the first two years, three years, you will lose money trying to pursue stand-up comedy if you don't have somebody who can help support you. Um, but 
again, like I said, if you're putting your face in a place and you're meeting people and they see potential in you, then that investment in yourself definitely pays off. Um, it's not easy having it as a full-time job. There's a lot of, you know, begging involved when it comes to book me, book me. I hope you'll book yeah. me. I, I hope I can get on a show. There's a lot of rejection that comes with it, but the reward is always worth it at the end of the day when you get off that stage and you've had a, a good set and people come yeah. up to you and they tell you how much they enjoyed you or how you made the night, you know, that type of thing. It's always, always worth it. That's awesome. That's a good thing to know because that's, I guess, a part that scares me, not necessarily being poor or losing money. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm a fucking boy woman in America. Uh, it's more that I don't know if it will ever pay off for me as just knowing me, if I, I would maybe get scared. Or I don't know. I don't want to even make excuses for myself now. But that's why I'm so happy that I'm talking to you, Dion, because you're answering so many questions that I've just been rooting through my mind and just this, I guess, anxious Rolodex that I have that is my brain. And it just goes all the time. And you're answering so many things and closing a lot of doors. So thank you. And for sure. Yeah. I, I definitely want you to know that the the fear comes from not knowing exactly yeah so once you get build you know once you get your reps up and you get comfortable with finding your voice on stage the yeah. fear goes away and it turns into more of a anxious nervousness into i can't wait to do my next show and that type of thing um i still get butterflies every time right before the show i always get that pre-show shits i have to take because no yeah. matter what yeah. i've been doing it for stomach yeah always. it's 15 years in, I still get that feeling. Um, so know that that's never going to go away. Okay. But it's a, you know, it's not something to be afraid of. You know, like I said, once you get the the reps under your wing and you feel like, oh, I, I, I have a foundation. Once you once you build your foundation for, for what it is, your first 15 to 20 minute set is going to be about mm -hmm. that nervousness will go away. And um you'll become a lot more comfortable on stage. The crowd will always pick up on when you're insecure. Right. And so yes. I always, always tell young comics, be confident, go up there knowing exactly what you want to say and how you want to say it. It may not always come off that way, but you at least have to give that persona of, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm talking about because that will, that will ease the nervous energy in the room that's coming from the crowd when they can tell, Oh, I'm not, this person's clearly unsure of themselves, unless that's your shtick, which, you know, I'm not a shtick comedian, but yeah, you know, depending on what your style of comedy is, um, confidence is very, very important. What's funny is that there are so many different types of comedy. I was thinking of a time where I saw an amateur show. It was at my uh, friend's, um, it was in Seattle, Washington. It was at my friend's house. Uh, sorry, my friend's friend's house. So I didn't even know this person, basically. And he hosted his own comedy show. He had about, he hosted it. Um, I can't remember what the guy's name was, but he set up a little platform in his uh, living room, had a little stage, had a mic, had lights, had a speaker system. Wouldn't let anybody else try either. Like he was like, <laughs> like gatekept it too. Like I thought, like this was open, like like no, no, it was not. He 
YouTube references and shit. I was like, bruh, we in your house, nigga. What the fuck? So, <laughs> I just thought like I I thought that was hilarious because that was the that was the tribe I was gonna try for the first time. And then he had the nerve to be like, oh no, well, you know, if you get a little YouTube. <laughs> You will run into that. There's a lot of ego in stand-up comedy. There's definitely. It was so funny. I think I literally just laughed and walked away. I couldn't. I just couldn't even. I I don't even. So I I I guess that was good preparation, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you. I'm telling you, especially on the open mic level, you will find people to have outrageous egos for no reason, especially. Your local oh, showrunners, no. the guys who put put shows on in bars and whatnot, they, they'll think that because they are, you know, in charge of putting that show together, that they can act any old kind of way. So you kind of have to watch out for those pitfalls as well. And like I said, when I started, I had a huge ego and, you know, I had to be humbled. So you have to go in knowing that there's going to be egos involved and that it is business at the end of the day. So you just, you got to be mindful of those things. But for the most part, I would say about, you know, 75 to 80% of the comics that you meet when you first start out will be legitimate people. You know, every, every town has that shady comic and that shady booker and that person that you shouldn't do business with. So, you know, if you hear, if you hear from more than one person about a certain person, chances are, it's probably true, so just just be careful with that. Uh, we had a guy here locally when I first started that I had no beef with this guy whatsoever um, until it got back to me that he had beef with me, and I I, I literally did nothing to this guy whatsoever. But he felt like I was getting opportunities that he should be getting, and before I knew uh, it, he was trying to stab me in the back every chance he got. So it was just one of those things where he turned out to be Uh, a joke thief and a terrible Mm. human being and that'll get you you can only lie for so long before you know the truth comes out on stage and people find out oh you're a fraud so yeah you know just be mindful of that knowing that every everybody ain't out for you even if they smile in your face so you kind of have to guard your heart in that way but at the same time you can't be a uh a bitter pill and afraid to take chances. That's fair. And yeah, I think, I guess with time, you will find out what to look for, what characteristics to trust. And I guess you'll see maybe in, even in the performance who can manipulate the audience and whether or not they actually have that, that talent. Cause a lot of comedy, I feel like is a lot of manipulation of the audience. You don't necessarily have to tell the truth in your jokes and if the lie sounds better you know uh, if it sounds funnier you can just kind of take them on this ride of fantasy and I guess some comedians do that very well and that's moral and then others I guess maybe take it a little bit too far and it leads over into their personal life but that's that's neither here nor there it's just something I I thought about but I wanted to know how you met Miss Pat. I met her at an open mic 15 years ago. Uh, wow, right when you began. 
I had probably been doing comedy three months, and she just she had just moved to Indiana from Atlanta. She had been doing comedy, I think, four or five years. Okay, okay. And uh, yeah, she came out to the open mic, and I actually had to go up after her um, the first night we met, and oh. <laughs> I'll never forget it because she was so funny that I spent my five minutes talking about how funny she was. And then after that, we hit it off because I, I thought she was really, really funny. Um, and uh, we've been friends ever since. That's awesome. That's good. And she was kind of, do you consider her as one of one of your comedy mentors that you were mentioning before? Yeah, like she she basically was was there from from the beginning, you know, minus those three months. So she's watched me grow. She's helped me grow. She's given me opportunities that otherwise I wouldn't have had. She's taken me places where I probably never would have gone. Um, so definitely. Yeah. She, um, she's one of my closest friends in comedy. Um, so absolutely. That's what's up. And it's just watching your relationship with her and watching the podcast go from what it was when you guys were still filming in helium and then to what it is now, I mean, it's just such a crazy evolution to just see. I mean, you guys have grown. I mean, you and Spangled basically almost didn't get along, you know? That's so crazy. And now you guys are, like, so close. <laughs> Pat has the power to bring people together because Spangle is not someone who I would have dealt with in my everyday life. Right. Um, outside of the podcast, he and I never hung out before. Um, I had seen him a couple of times we had met but it was you know hey how you doing because i knew he worked at bob and tom but we weren't by any stretch of the imagination friends um i knew who he was he knew who i was but you know we didn't roll in the same circles we still don't roll in the same circles but we are definitely uh friends now yeah. and uh we have her to thank for that and he's grown a lot and i've grown a lot and yeah. you know we we owe that to her through her being willing to, you know, sit down and have a conversation with somebody who doesn't think like her. I never had any animosity towards Chris. Mm -hmm. I just disagree with a lot of the things that he said because I knew he didn't have the experience, right. uh, you know, that I had. And, you know, it wasn't until we actually would sit down after the show was over and we would talk and, you know, where we actually learned about each other and, you know, Chris has a great heart. He's a good person. You know, I disagree with him on a lot of things, especially political stuff, but there was no animosity in his heart for his views. And, you know, there was none in mine either. So it was one of those things where, you know, we got to grow together and the more and more we came in contact with each other. And, you know, I consider him a friend and I'll be at his wedding. Oh, look at that. Look at how it comes full circle podcast and comedy bringing people together. It's a beautiful thing. Because, uh, yeah, exactly. When would I have ever, I didn't even know what a libertarian was. A dead ass. <laughs> I did not know. I didn't, I did, dead ass did not know what that was. I, I just knew it was a, a political party that never won. <laughs> That's what I knew. And, now, and, and never will win. <laughs> So, I mean, I've learned a lot as well from Bangle and your podcast and your relationship and, and witnessing what Miss Pat has done with expanding the Miss Pat universe as she has. And 
I'm so excited for the show to come out. And is there anything you can share? Nope. Nope. You're not, you're not finna get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, I'm so excited for the show. I don't even care. I'm like, uh, I have BP Plus freaking queued up. Not even a game, bro. I'm going to be there opening night. You guys I can't tell you. Mm-hmm. I can't. I, I, I think we're working on seeing if we can do some type of premiere um, or showcase once it actually comes out where we do like a watch party. Um, Even if it's but, in Indianapolis, I might be able to drive down there. That's not that far. Yeah, it's uh, the show is really, really fun. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I helped work on the show. Um, if I was had no part of the show, I, I would still say it's really funny. Um, the cast is amazing together. They they really really uh, pull off the family dynamic. Um, she, Pat did an amazing job of getting that cast. Her and uh, Jordan Cooper did an amazing job getting that cast together, um, and they worked really really well together. The directors were great. Um, the show's super funny, but it also has a message behind it too. It's it's good quality TV like like the Fresh Prince was and you know those Family Matter type shows where there's comedy but there's also a little bit of drama yeah. and you w- walk away from the show going wow I never thought about that so I'm excited for it to come out it oh, comes out sister. later this year so um, yeah I encourage everybody to go check it out absolutely oh I'm so excited like I, it's just. I mean, I remember when she was just talking about how it might be on one network or another, and now that we finally have it filmed, written, produced, it's, now it's going to happen. It, watching that whole process has just been amazing from, you know, a, a fan viewpoint, because it's like, let's get it done. Like, when she wants <laughs> to do it. And it's like, I see her, and I want, I love that energy. I want to feed off that energy. She inspires me so much in that way of just like, you guys just do that. You just got to do, you know what I'm saying? And not mm-hmm. even care. Like she uses like the part of self that's just very instinctual and just like doesn't even care about consequences, which I'm sure in the past may have not been that hot. But <laughs> now it's just, you know, now that she's focused on such positivity, it's, it's amazing what she can do. It's just, it's, I'm always in awe of her. So, you know, if you ever pass that on, like, uh, please. Uh, well, I have a message. Um, I think it's from my friend because, <laughs> so let's go ahead and put, uh, play it. What size city should someone start their stand-up career? Okay, what size city? It doesn't matter where you start, honestly. Um, I always tell young comics, be the man in your city first before you venture out to the the big cities because you don't want to be, you don't want to meet somebody at the wrong time for them to make the first impression and you're not ready for that impression. So, yeah, it doesn't matter what city you start in, but, you know, become the man or the woman in that, that scene before you go and try to make it in L.A. and New York. Because you don't want to, one, it's expensive as hell to be a nobody in those cities. Right. And, and two, the list is so, so long for you to try and get on and hope to be in the right spot at the right time. Um, yes, there are a lot of stages out there, but at the same time, not every stage is a quality stage. So if you can be the man in your city 
wherever, whatever city you start in and then go forth and, and try to pursue the bigger stages, I would encourage people to do that because breaking in in New York or L.A. is damn near impossible if you're a beginner um, because there's so many people who aren't beginners. There's people who who most people think blew up overnight. They've been doing comedy 15, 20, 25 years. And it's yeah. like, no, this is a, it's a, it's a very, very long journey. It, overnight success is so few and far between. There's a lot of losing before you actually start to actually win. And you have to know what you want out of comedy too. You know, not everybody's going to be Kevin Hart. Not everybody's going to be Miss yeah. Pat. So if you can make a decent living on the road, working 40 weeks out of the year, making 60, 70, 80, $90,000 a year. That's a good living. You can't, you can't beat that. So just know what you want out of comedy. It can open up a lot of doors for you and other avenues when it comes to acting, podcasting, uh, voiceover work, whatever. But when you start, start where you are. There's you don't have to move to a big city in order to make it in comedy, especially now with the way social media is, you know, people blow up over TikTok or, or Instagram yeah. videos or Facebook videos. So you can do it wherever. But, you know, before you take that major leap, I would say hone your craft where you are and, and you know, be the man there or be the woman there. That way, y- you know all right, I've done all I can do here. Now it's time for me to take that step. Okay. Yeah, that's a really good way to think about it. Not that I was going to, you know, pack up and go to LA tomorrow, but I think maybe in the back of my mind, I was like, how do I start? Or where does it make sense to go somewhere like Chicago or um, New York or even Cincinnati? here where there's even more and even here i think there might be a little bit of a better where are you located at i'm in toledo i'm in toledo which is on the border of ohio and michigan it's the i I played toledo a couple of times they got a club there they've got one club that they've got the one in Perrysburg, which is um a suburb of toledo and that's pretty much it toledo used to have a few other clubs all of them have closed and the open <gasps> mics are not necessarily, I've looked them up. I, I called a couple of places and not even, I haven't even tried post pandemic because I don't even, I have no idea, but I will, I will definitely try my area. But yeah, the, um, the, the, it's called fat fish blue, the funny bone. Mm-hmm. It's that's the only one. That's the only one. And they're open mic. I don't even really know if they're doing that right now. I I haven't even heard about anything. I've looked on their site and, may, and they're not that hot about updating their site either. So, give me just a second. Yeah. So it's 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 one of those things that um, I know that I just I have to make my own way. Stop making excuses. But I think the reality of the situation is that I'm going to have to. Either make a space here and take your advice or move to or have to commute to a slightly bigger market like maybe Ann Arbor or Detroit which aren't far Ann Arbor's 45 minutes Detroit's also 45 minutes well then yeah there I mean if you can if it's not putting you out I would encourage you to 
hit as many local stages as you can. And yeah. with those being 45 minutes away, that's not too bad. Also, there's plenty of uh, local shows that you could put on. I see why my dog is barking like crazy. There's so many rabbits in this backyard. Um, um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, if you can, it, it, it never hurts for you to take that chance to, to get on stage. But before you go, make sure you, you know, you have your spot guaranteed. Because, you know, when I first started, I would go out to these places and just hope to get on. And sometimes um, taking that L is not worth it. You know, yeah. if you can know ahead of time, uh, I don't want to drive out here to be told no to my face when they could have told me no over the phone. So, um, you know, just do your due diligence in that regard. And, and, and you'd be all right. <laughs> I like that. You'd be all right. Girl, get your ass on that. I need that Dion. I need somebody to be like, get your ass on that thing. That's what I need somehow. I don't, I, I will find it. But yeah, absolutely. And that's, it's just, I guess, been racking my brain on how in the world, and it's generational. And I will tell you exactly why. My dad, who looks literally is the bald, slightly thick version of me and imagine him in 19 let's say 80 let's say 1980 and my dad is in new york city he has met my mom and both of them are in their their artistic career so my dad wants to be a stand-up my mom wants to be a fashion designer they hook up because my dad says oh i saw eddie murphy it might have been later than 1980 but He's like, I saw Eddie Murphy in a banana colored suit. So I need you to make me a banana colored suit. <laughs> and I will pay you this money, lady. And so he was like, okay. And so she made him a banana colored suit. Now, I don't know what my dad would have joked about. I don't know how the suit played into his comedy. I don't know how the comedy went. I just know that he didn't talk about it after a while. And I'm here now. And so that's how the banana colored suit happened. So it seems that I guess my dad got too anxious and too in his head to see it out. You know, he moved from Cincinnati to New York. So he, he didn't follow what you had said. He went too big too fast because he definitely didn't become the king of Cincinnati before he went anywhere. And I think he fizzled out very quickly. And I guess maybe I'm just afraid of that fizzle of that. Like, I can't do this. Like, what am I even thinking? And you cannot be afraid to fail. Yeah. Because there's, it's comedy is one of those things where, you know, not every show is going to go great. Not every show is going to be awful. You find, uh, you find your level and you just try to be consistent at the end of the day. That's what you're looking for. You know, you're trying to get your jokes to hit. You're trying to, uh, uh, you're trying to get to this point where you like, oh, I know this, this style will work for me. And so once you figure that out, your highs and your lows are going to be so few and far between that, you know, it becomes more, it, it becomes routine for you. And you definitely learn, uh, that you know what, when you fall, it's so easy to get back up. Comedy is one of those things that you can do. You can start. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. 
it, comedy doesn't matter. As long as you find your voice and, you know, stay true to yourself and what it is, that, the type of comic that you want to be, you'll be fine. I mean, there's always going to be a stage for you. So, you know, uh, I always tell people, your worst show isn't going to be your worst show forever. So (laughs) there's always a bomb just around the corner, but all of the greats have done it. So, you know, you can, you can find solace in the fact that, you know, I'm not the only one that's going to have a bad set someday. So you, you got to look at it in a way to where I'm just, I'm just trying to hone my craft and get better each and every show. And as long as you learn from those mistakes that you make, you'll be fine. That's a good answer, man. I like that. Thank you, Dion. We got a couple more uh, messages. One moment. Oh, Lord, that's a spangle. Oh, three long ones, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, let me do them in order. Uh, yes, I would like to request that Dion wear gray sweatpants to the pat down, please. Thank you. So what the hell was that? <laughs> I don't, that's your friend right there. <laughs> that's your friend. <laughs> First of all, I usually do wear gray sweatpants to the pat down. <laughs> Chris, Chris, you got to know your name's going to pop up. So like, what was You're that about? Over there trying to be cool. He's like, he, 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 watch, watch, watch. Aja, get out of your own head. <laughs> when we have this conversation about podcasting, you were like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> and now look at you. You've been the most consistent podcaster, way more consistent than the pat down people. That's for sure. <laughs> and that's all that matters is consistency, just showing up. So get out the head trash. Do it. And look at the cat in the back. I was going to say, was that your cat or his cat? <laughs> But I appreciate Muffin freaking hyping me up. Or I think it's, I don't know if that's Muffin, but I do know you have a cat named Muffins or something like that. But I appreciate that, that, because that is so true. I was, well, I was doing the exact same thing to Chris. Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? I got to get my confidence up, man. This is what I always tell people. It's like, yo, the, the world will beat you down. So you don't have to do it to yourself. You know, if, if you're in your own way, that's just one more hurdle for you to overcome. The world's going to set up enough hurdles for you to where you shouldn't be blocking yourself. So all these mental hangups that you have, the fear of not doing well, like I said, it, everybody's already failed already. So you're not going to be doing anything new in that regard. So you got to have some type of faith and confidence in yourself to be like, you know what? Even if I do bomb, I'm not the first person to bomb. I'm not going to be the last person to bomb. So honestly, in that moment, yeah, it might suck. But at the end of the day, you're not the first person. You're not the last person. So you're going to be all right. It's, you know, people expect beginners to not be funny. People expect open micers to be somewhat terrible. So if you know all that information going in, you know, you've, you've already won. It's like, oh, you know, I, I'm not expected to be anything. So if I'm not, it's okay because I'm not expected to be. And if you are something, well, then boom, there's your logic point. So, you know, like like Chris said, get out of your own head. The world will put up enough roadblocks for you. 
That's so that you don't have I to live and breathe here in my own head. I'm an only child, Dion, so I don't even have siblings or, you know, any cousins to bounce things off. I live and breathe inside of my own head. So it's, yeah, it's very, very hard for me to try to get out of there. But I'm, I'm doing it my absolute best to, I'm trying, struggling so hard to get out of, out of Aja Island, but, uh, it, and it's happening. It's happening slowly. And you I know what will help with that? What will help? What will help? Having a comedy mentor, somebody you can bounce ideas off of, somebody you can talk to, um, that will definitely help get you out of your head. But know that you're not alone in your head either. Like there are tons and tons of comics still who are in their own head. That's natural. The challenge is overcoming that. You know, you can't be afraid to take that leap because you might fail because you're expected to fail and you are going to fail. Nobody's batting a hundred, you know, you know, even Steph Curry misses threes. So it's, it's, it's okay to, to take, the proverbial L from time to time. The the goal is is like Chris said is to be consistent, you know. And if you're consistently in the comedy club, if you're consistently working on your material, if you're consistently going to shows, then all those inconsistent things that are in your head won't have any space. Okay, because you'll just be doing it. You're right. I just gotta. Mm-hmm. I just gotta do it. I just gotta do it. I've had 18 million people say this to me, Dion. Like, I was like, you know what I'm saying? You really don't understand how many people it's like been. Like, it's been four years. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Lord. Let me play this dumb Chris Chris in one moment. You just don't want to feel vulnerable in front of a group of people, which is why I've never wanted to do stand-up. And I can tell you... It's not that hard. It actually is pretty easy. I killed it my first time on stage. I don't know what Dion's talking about. But uh, you should just do it. Because look how much you love doing this podcast. Chris is hilarious. What Chris didn't mention was that he was set up for success. Because everybody in that room knew who he was. And so, yeah. when When you start off when everybody's knows who you are then, Stack yeah. the deck, white uh, man. yeah Stack absolutely the there was no pressure on chris to be <laughs> anything but chris they weren't expecting anything from him and you know he he hit it out of the park i'm not going to take that away from him he was legitimately funny but at the same time yeah. there was no pressure on him to be anything other than chris so just keep that in mind too that you know if you your That's first show, my first show, my first show I, I brought 32 people with me Oh, sad. Yeah. So I, I, I knew like, yo, you need, you need people there to support you and to give you that confidence. And like, I, I know at least this group of folks will find me somewhat funny. And even if they don't, well, you'll be able to laugh together afterward. Like, man, that was awful. Yeah, you suck big time. But you'll have <laughs> that experience together, as opposed to going into it not knowing anybody. There's a, you know, my first show where I didn't have anybody, I ate a huge dick on stage. Mm. But that's mm. all part of the learning process. You How can't be afraid I, to fail. Yeah. How much do you feel like, um, is, is Helium or wherever comedy, uh, comedy space, was it mostly black? Was it mixed or was it white? Mostly white. Well, I live in Indiana, so it's, the majority of the people at the comedy club, most of the comics were white. 
Um, mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, Pat and I and this other kid, Sean, we were the only three black comics that were in town when I first started. The the club owner mm -hmm. was was black, but he was the type of dude who, you know, he was a hater. So mm -hmm. he didn't he didn't want to see us be above him. And you will run into that where you think people who are going to be in your corner aren't actually in your corner. But again, you can't let that stop you. Um, and it shouldn't matter whether the crowd's white or black. Your, your, your material should be universal. You know, if you're right. only gearing to a specific audience, then what are you going to do when that audience doesn't show up? Exactly. You know, I, I always tell comics, you should be able to do a room, whether it's white, black, Mexican, the clan, it don't fucking matter. You know, funny is funny. True. And your goal is to be funny to everybody. Now, I'm not saying you can't have a certain group of people who rock with you harder because that's yeah. always going to be the case. But your goal, your your comedy goal should be, I want to be a universally uh, liked comedian so that my material can, can I can do any room. I can go into a, a corporate gig and rock it. I can do a, a church show and rock it. You know, that should be your mindset. Universality. But, yeah, but you are when you stick to who you are, you know, you'll find your you'll find your your group of people. You know, when Miss Pat first started, she was in Atlanta. Then she moved to Plainfield, Indiana, where there were hardly right. any black people. And right. you know, she didn't have any dealings with white people to begin with. But you know, funny is funny, and she was able to to overcome that. And like I said, if you're worth your salt in comedy, you'll be able to overcome that. It's not that shouldn't be something that stops you. That's for thought, man. Let's just play one more. Uh, a couple more. Uh, Chris Chris said like five messages, man. <laughs> uh, that creepy guy voice, I forgot that it had my name on it, damn it. <laughs> Chris, you so slow, bruh. <laughs> Put that on my tombstone. Living up to low expectations well. That's what's <laughs> <laughs> Chris is on the road tonight. He must have had himself like a little, he must have just come out of church camp or whatever. He's <laughs> high on the Lord tonight, Chris. You may look good over there, brother. I'm glad, man. And congratulations to you and your lady. Because I was very happy to see you. So shout you out, man. All right. I've got one more. How do you mentally get over a total bomb? Okay. Yeah. Good question. So, what was your. How do you get over a bomb, and what was your worst bomb? Uh, I was booed off stage in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Ohio did that. Yeah, I've had my my two worst shows have been in Cleveland and Columbus. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> but here's I'm sorry, how you, Ohio. Here's how you get over it. You go, you know, it just wasn't my night. That's all that it is. You know, there's not every crowd is going to love you. But again, it's not the end of the world. As, as long as you get back on that horse and keep riding, you know, like I said, your, your worst shows will become few and far between. You'll become more consistent. So you can't let failure stop you from growing. Like if you hold on to it, it's going to be with you all the time. You just have to literally let it go. I, I, I keep that Cleveland set in my phone. I have it recorded. So whenever I get too high on myself, I play that back as motivation. Oh, like, see, yeah. there's, you know, there's 
this could always happen to you. So I keep that in the back of my mind. But at the same time, I use it as motivation. When you have a bad show, you're like, all right, I'm going to get them the next time. That way, I don't have to feel like this anymore. You know, it it becomes, you you turn it into a challenge. Like, you know what? I had a bad set. So my next set, I'm going to make sure that I know exactly what I want to say. I know exactly how I want to say it so that I don't have the same outcome as as the previous show. So you just acknowledge what happened. Like I look, I got booed up off stage last night. I'm back out here though. If y'all want to boo, then shoot, put your boo hoos on. I I feel you. You it's just I guess you have to just have a fuck it attitude. And I'm trying to develop that from going from this I guess private school girl, which is what I am going from just a space where I was never able to really express myself freely because I was either the only black girl and you sometimes you just don't want that attention on you mm-hmm. and all the time. And even though I am funny and I love comedy and I love expressing myself and entertaining, you also have to be in this little box being, I guess, where I'm from growing up. I had, uh, you know, I don't want to say super strict, but I had a religious upbringing. So there was that as well. And so there, I guess there's a lot of things I'm unlearning, trying to find my voice, what kind of comic I want to be. And I'm glad to, to know that the space is still going to be there because that was my biggest fear is that the pandemic killed it, you know, because you hear so much crap on Twitter, social media, and all that kind of stuff, like, oh, comedy's dead, or, you know, it's going to this city, or it's going to this state, and it's dead, or something like that, and I wanted to talk to someone who's in the game, and right now, in it, and is this a viable career, I don't want to say viable career, but is this a path that is worth a person going down, if they truly respect and, and honor the craft? Yeah, comedy is never gonna go away. People, like I said at the beginning of the show, people are always gonna look for that um, escape from their everyday life. And comedians have a connection with people through telling their truth on stage. That you know, it's our job to convey what's going on in the world in a funny manner. People are always gonna need that. Um, you can't be afraid of it not going well. You can't be afraid to put yourself out there. Um, now, I'm not saying it's impossible. But what I always tell people is it's so much easier to tell the truth on stage than it is to make up 20 minutes of lies and hope that people find it funny. Right. So, you know, if you go up there and you're, you're telling the truth about your life or, your, or whatever it is that you're talking about, the situations that you uh, go through on a day to day basis, that authenticity will carry you and people will respect you for it. And no one can take it away from you, you know. People can't steal your truth. So you, you going going into comedy, it's it's a like I said, it's a very long journey. So you have to be willing to put in the hours and the time and the work and the rejection and the failure and you know, because it's not an easy thing to do. You know, people think it's easy because the greats make it look easy, but it's comedy is very, very difficult. You know, it's a it's a hard job to make a bunch of strangers laugh at everything you say. 
absolutely. But and it's it's yeah, it's it's a rewarding thing if you if you can pull it off, and it's worth pursuing, whether or not to know you can pull it off. So my advice to you, Aja, is get out of get the idea out of your head that you can't do it because you're afraid. It would be different if you couldn't do it because there were no stages or there was, you know, no place for you to perform. Right. But the only thing that's stopping you is yourself. That's I mean, you live, you live close to Detroit and Michigan. They have shows up there all the time. You've got a club there in Toledo. Take that leap. And if you fall, so the fuck what? You're not going to die. True. Unless it goes die. really, really bad. Yeah, I, I was just thinking, like, math, is, it's about half and half, like, booze or non-laughter and half and half mass shooting just randomly. Like, I think that's, like, I hate to say it, but that's, like, <laughs> half of my fear is just random mass shooting that has nothing to do with me. I, I Maybe I'll have a good first set, you know what I'm saying? Popping off the dough. And then, you know what I'm saying? So, I just, that's just America. That's just America teens. That's America teens. Here's what you here's what you learn from that. If you do die after your first time, know that it wasn't meant to be. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. So, so like, yeah. well, I found out. Oh Honestly, God. it's it's one of those things where once you start, you'll you'll become addicted to it. Even if you're bad in the beginning. Like I said, I wasn't I knew I was funny, but I didn't know what I was doing. So the desire for me to get back on stage after it did not go well because I knew in my heart that it was something that I could do. And like I said, when I met professional comics who would vouch for me, like, oh yeah, you can do that. You just need guidance. It, it makes it a heck of a lot easier. So when people see your passion for it, they'll want to help you get better. And, you know, you just, just getting up and doing it is that first step. Even if it goes poorly, you'd be like, you know what? It can't get worse than that. That's true. <laughs> and, and, you, and you will be all right. Man. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. It's been one hour. I can't even express how thankful I am for, the, for you to take this time to inspire me every day. You, Miss Pat, Spangles, Crazy Ass, everybody has really, you guys have helped me so much. You don't even understand. And anybody who has subscribed to me, I'm hoping that if you also want to ever enter the comedy space or any in any capacity or just want to take a leap into something that you might want to do. My mom wants to maybe get back into fashion design. Ma, if you're listening, do it, bruh. Come on. Get the cut. So and I'm <laughs> going to you know, get the cut. So I'm going to I'm going to get. Thank you. I feel rejuvenated. My soul feels very open and full. And Mr. Curry, thank you. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I appreciate you listening to the Pat Down. Um, I encourage all your listeners and followers to follow me on Stereo and Instagram. All my things are the same, Bright Fame 4. Um, Check out my other podcast, Now Less Debatable and Sorry We're Canceled. And uh, yeah, Asha, go for it. Be be strong. Know that you can do it. And if you can't do it, at least you know you can't do it. And then, <laughs> do, then you and don't I have, have to worry. And you I know? can scream into this microphone then all by myself with my kids. Yeah. 
There we go. All right. Thank you so much. This has been Full Metal Ratchet number 20. This has actually been number 22. And I've been your host, Aja, again with Dion Curry, and the comedian. Please follow him and please have a wonderful night. Thank you again, Dion, for taking the wonderful safe night, everybody. And good night. Good night, y'all. Bye-bye.